You are listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, where it's all about responding with confidence to the legal, financial, and personal challenges created by disability, unexpected illness, or simply aging in general. Join us weekly as elder law attorneys Tim Takis, Barbara McGinnis, Chris Johnson, and other members of the Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law Team talk about the tools, techniques, strategies, and services that will make the elder care journey easier for everyone involved. Get ready, because aging starts now. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode number 87 of Aging Starts Now. I'm Barbara McGinnis, certified elder law attorney and partner at Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law. Today, we're talking about the hot topic of driving. When is your loved one no longer safe to drive? Joining us for the discussion is Christy Horner of the Driver Rehabilitation Program at Vanderbilt Bill Wilkerson Center. Hi, Christy. Tell us about your program. Our program, it was actually established in 1980. It is a program to serve individuals who have medical changes to guide them, their families, and their physicians when it comes to issues related to driving. So I work with individuals all the way from the age of 15, when somebody gets that wonderful learner's permit, all the way up into it with individuals who are in their 90s to help them determine if driving is a good possibility for them or to help them to be a safe driver or to address that time when driving is no longer safe for our loved ones. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times we actually refer to your program to help with that difficult decision. Um, Is it still safe to drive? You know, driving is a very important thing to adults for the most part. And giving that up is is a hard decision sometimes. So do you have to be referred by a doctor or another professional? Or can you just call up the center and request a, a test? Well, being affiliated with Vanderbilt Medical Center, we do work under a medical model. So we ask that an individual have a physician refer them to our program. I'm an occupational therapist um, by education and then went on to become a certified driver rehab specialist. But I bill my services as occupational therapy, and that works best if we have that physician referral. Sure, sure. That makes sense. Um, Is this something that's covered by insurance or is it um, something that's private pay, even though, you know, medical model, doctor's orders, the whole thing? Right. So as insurance does pay for our services, there are a few policies um, that we have a little bit of difficulty with, one being in Tennessee, um, Amerigroup 10 Care. But beyond that, other insurance Insurance companies do pay for our services, including Medicare. Medicare pays for our services. Oh, wow. That's a pleasant surprise. So um, is there any outpatient um, cost to the individual? If, let's say, their insurance, for whatever reason, their insurance did not provide coverage, then most insurance companies, I will back up and say, even American Amerigroup 10 Care will pay for our evaluation. It's beyond that first appointment that that particular insurance company does not pay for our services. Um, and that that time, then the charge is $351 per 
per two-hour session. So that's where we run into a little bit difficulty with just that one particular insurance. Um, sometimes other pro insurers have contracted rates with care, you know, with medical providers outside of Vanderbilt, but most times we're able to work around that as well. Additionally, I will say that uh, vocational rehab rehabilitation has paid for our services. Uh, the VA has paid for our services as well. So when you say services, is it just an evaluation or is there more to it? That's a great question. So we always start with an evaluation. Um, the first part of the evaluation is a clinical assessment because everything we do is in the clinic. We're looking at those skills that are needed to support safe driving. And I like to categorize that into three main groups, visual skills, physical abilities to operate a vehicle, and cognitive or thinking skills. So that's the first evaluation session. And of course, we hope that someone does reasonably well um, in that first session. Then we go to a second session, which is a road evaluation. This typically occurs on another day, and it's another two-hour session where we would evaluate an individual operating one of our Vanderbilt vehicles. Um, a person, for anyone who comes to Vanderbilt Medical Center, it can be very intimidating to drive here. So the clinicians, we always start out driving and drive the patient away to another parking lot where they can become acclimated to the Vanderbilt vehicle since vehicles handle differently. They feel different brakes and gas pedals are, are less sensitive or more sensitive in various vehicles. So we would start there in that parking lot and then progress into residential driving, stay there for quite some time, and then eventually move into business street driving as well as potentially interstate driving if someone you know, wants to pursue interstate driving. Beyond the evaluation, we may, for some individuals, recommend driver training. Um, that might be training in strategies for driving to be a safer driver. It also could be related to training them to use adaptive equipment to drive if they've had a physical impairment that impedes their ability to use their arms or their, or their legs for driving as they typically would have. Wow, we could all use some tips on how to be safer drivers, uh, you know, especially on the interstate. It's crazy out there sometimes. It really is. Um, so that's how you can be supportive if someone fails their test. It sort of depends on the in what way did they fail their test, whether right. or not there's things that you can do to help them maintain that independence. Um, so if someone is concerned about their loved one still being able to drive, what do you, what's your advice? What, do you, what should you tell them? I would start by saying that you should approach your loved one first to discuss it, if at all possible, depending, of course, on the relationship. And I would talk to them about it in a non-confrontational manner, you know, just explaining perhaps, hey, you know, you've had some medical changes, you know, after that hospitalization earlier in the year, it really took a toll on your body. You know, how are you feeling about your driving? I'm just, I'm a little bit concerned. I would really like for us to think about getting your driving checked out. Now that right there for many people can create quite the conversation depending on 
um, the driver, you know, if they're defensive or if they feel attacked in some way. Of course, sometimes people might be receptive to opening up with that discussion. But I would say try to have a gentle discussion initially. Um, and that individual may not be agreeable at that point. And mm-hmm. I would say let that idea just marinate for a week or two and then revisit the topic again. The other suggestion I would make is that, you know, to ride. If, that, if the individual is still driving, for, you know, and you have concerns, to ride as a passenger just to see in an informal assessment, you know, how you think they're doing. The other suggestion I would make is if you cannot get your loved one on board with completing a driving evaluation, then to, you know, to kind of develop, reach out that net and have some other um, sources speak to that individual, whether it's other family members or even their healthcare provider. So even though the healthcare provider may not be able to share information directly with you without a signed release, you can call a physician, the nurse practitioner, a physician assistant who is closely involved in their situation to say, hi, I'm, you know, so-and-so's daughter, for example, and I'm really concerned about their ability to drive. I would really like for you to discuss this and address this with them in our upcoming appointment on such and such date. Um, Healthcare professionals have an ethical responsibility to discuss driver safety with their patients. And if a family member calls or someone in a support system calls to express concern, then that healthcare provider needs to have that discussion. I would say as a last resort, you can notify the Tennessee Department of Safety But I would be very careful with that situation because if you're not reporting anonymously, then an individual may be able to discover who made a report to the Tennessee Department of Safety. And, you know, just anecdotally experience where they... um, or they don't have a driver's license, but they're not able to, they're having difficulty driving because they're memory impaired. Well, they don't remember they don't have a driver's license. Right. And they don't They don't care that they don't have a driver's license. They're still going to drive if they want to. So, so, so it's it can be very de- a delicate thing to manage in a family, depending on the, just all the sets of circumstances, right? All the little things that make families unique. But Mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of folks where doctors say their big talk is, hey, Mr. So-and-so, you need to quit driving. You know, you probably really should hang up the keys and that's the end of it. And, and, you know, that can be pretty ineffective. So I, I, I love just the objectiveness of the assessment and it's it's so nice and concrete and that it can have a positive outcome if there are certain adaptive techniques and but I totally hear you that's not where you want to start you want to start with just talking about concerns um there are programs also with I think it's middle tennis mental health of middle Tennessee they actually Mm -hmm. do have a program it's educational for caregivers how to approach this topic because it can be very tender and sensitive and talk about the care, the concern. I want you to be safe. 
I want um, I want the people around you to be saved. So anyway, it's there's resources out there. If you're a caregiver struggling with um, a loved one and who possibly shouldn't still be driving, there are resources out there for you to um, to support you having that conversation. And those are all good tips, Christy. Anything else? Uh, you know, I would say try not to uh, avoid the topic. I think one thing. Barbara, that's really good is if families can even plan ahead before they get to the sticky situation where there are already concerns. But as we have our loved ones age to talk well in advance to say, you know, I feel great about your driving right now, but anything can happen. And so in five, 10 years down the road, we might not. Who would you want that person to be? to approach you because they might pick a particular person, you know, son or daughter or husband or sister and say, okay, well, that's good to know because that will be the person who can approach you about it. There are also online some contracts. AAA is a great uh, resource online to tap into for having these conversations. But there are also some contracts that you can, I think AAA has one that you can actually print off that says, you know, I am going to be willing to listen to my sister Martha or my daughter Chrissy or whomever when they're providing feedback to me at that time when they have concerns, you know, and it's it's a nice contract that's really well worded and outlined just so you can plan in advance of how you will handle that situation before you get in, you know, a more critical time period where you're feeling like, oh goodness, we're really in a bind here as a family. Yep. There's always something to be said by a little pre-planning to avoid a crisis or at least try to. Well, anyway, that's great information. Um, Thank you so much for being here. That's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. Take Us McGinnis is a life care planning law firm helping families respond to the legal and financial challenges caused by chronic illness or disability of an elderly loved one. Join us next week for another episode of Aging Starts Now. Thank you for listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast. For more information about today's show, visit tn-elderlaw.com, click on the free resources tab, and then click on Aging Starts Now. You'll find the show notes there. And while you're at it, why not check out all the free resources available at tn-elderlaw.com? Document downloads, the Take Us McGinnis blog, educational videos, informative articles, helpful links, a TV show, and more. It's all there, free for the taking. If you enjoy listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, please subscribe, rate the show, or leave us a review. It's easy to do on whatever app you use to listen. We would love your feedback on the show. Aging starts now. We'll be back next week with more candid discussions about challenges created by aging, disability, and unexpected illness.